Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interest podcast series, where we will be discussing CIS and Black Sea sovereign ratings. I'm Paul Gamble, Head of Emerging Europe Sovereigns at Fitch, and today I'm joined by Erica Rispey, Senior Director within the team. We've just published a report on the rating trends and prospects for the CIS and Black Sea region. Eric, what are the main messages of the report? Thank you, Paul. What we want to highlight in the report is actually to put in context the positive rating momentum we have seen in the region building up since 2016, which has led to four rating upgrades in 2019. We also want to call attention to what the remaining challenges in terms of credit worthiness do we see in the region, as well as highlight the continued vulnerabilities present in this country's credit profile. In 2014-15, as you know, the region got buffeted by strong shocks derived from commodity prices, but also the fallout from the Ukraine conflict and the imposition of sanctions on Russia. That led to about four rating downgrades, including the loss of investment grade for Azerbaijan, as well as the restructuring of Ukrainian debt in 2015. Since then, what we have seen is that the main and common theme in the region has been that sovereigns have opted to implement more sustainable and consistent policy framework, which has led to a slow build-up in credit momentum over the past three to four years. Now, looking ahead, what we see is that the cycle is turning, not only in terms of global growth prospects and commodity prices, but also in terms of ratings. And currently, we only have Ukraine with a positive outlook in this region. Also, remaining vulnerabilities in terms of high commodity dependence, high financial dollarization and exposure to currency risk for government finances remain important. And if we have to highlight what a common theme is for the region in terms of credit challenges, all vulnerabilities, of course, we have to point out to weak governance, low GDP per capita, and mixed growth prospects for the region. So taking all in all, what we will see is that rating momentum in the future is likely to slow down. There's an interesting chart in the report showing the uh, rating performance of the region and the IMF Commodity Price Index, and it shows that these closely track each other. So, so can you differentiate between the cyclical and the structural improvements we're seeing in the region's creditworthiness? In a region dominated by speculative uh, credits, of course we cannot deny the importance of the improved external environment, and that takes a couple of forms. For instance, improved commodity prices after 2014-15, also the indirect impact of the recovery and stabilization of the Russian economy, which has benefited a few countries that have strong uh, commercial and financial relations with Russia. But what we zero in in the report is try to understand and try to convey that policy improvements in terms of uh, central banks concentrating and focusing on reducing inflationary pressures was an important driver. Improving the flexibility of exchange rate regime was also another element in providing the region with improved macroeconomic stability, but also providing it with increased resilience to external shocks. So if we go in, into more detail in each rating category, we see that improved consistency and sustainability of policy frameworks was a key driver to the rating upgrades that we saw in Belarus in 2018, and recently in Ukraine in 2019, uh, combined with easing of financing constraints. At the WB level, the upgrade to Armenia to WB minus and to Georgia to WB also are a reflection of improved policy credibility. 
because these countries have better capacity to show resilience to external shocks, but also to internal uh, changing political conditions, such as the case in Armenia. Finally, policy improvement or the entrenching of a policy framework to a stronger level in the case of Russia has resulted in Russia actually improving macroeconomic stability compared to triple B rated peers, also increasing its resilience to external shocks, both derived from commodity price volatility, but also from sanctions, as well as reduce dependence or impact of oil in the Russian economy. So you've explained the uh, positive rating dynamics in the region, but you also say this is likely to slow. So can you elaborate why we have this view? It has to do with the nature of the challenges. As indicated previously, when we look across the rating uh, categories for the CIS and Black Sea region, only Georgia is the exception in terms of having stronger governance indicators compared to rated peers, while the rest of the region governance actually scores as a weakness. And this reflects a couple of issues. For instance, the concentration of power in the figures of powerful presidents, raising, of course, the human risk. Also, what we have is weak rule of law and poor voice accountability, which have a, a negative impact or a negative reflection in terms of the business environment, in spite of the improvement we saw in the World Bank uh, business environment scores over recent years. This in turn leads to a recovery that by any standards has been weak for most of the regions, with the exception of Uzbekistan, Armenia, and Georgia. And where only, when looking at just GDP per capita, Armenia and Georgia had managed to recover to levels pre-2013 when you measure GDP per capita in dollar terms. Then what we also look is that uh, going forward, structural reforms become more important, not only to support higher growth prospects, but also to entrench the policy improvements, because certainly uh, policy improvements are not only one part of the equation, they have to deliver a result as well, and that has to do with how they are successful in actually achieving higher growth levels. And uh, what we see in the region, of course, good news in a couple of countries, such as Ukraine, Armenia, Georgia, Uzbekistan, where we still see a strong push for structural reforms. So further upward rating momentum is likely to be limited. What are the main risks that you identify for the region's credit profile and where are the unresolved vulnerabilities? First, it has to do with the exposure that the region has to commodity prices. Uh, oil price volatility, for instance, will have an impact not only when oil prices are low, but also when oil prices are high. And we would like to see what the policy reaction will be of countries like Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan in order to further strengthen the credibility and consistency of the policy framework. The region also has high exposure to currency risk in terms of government debt. When we compare end 2013 government debt levels to end 2019 estimated levels, we see that on average debt is 10 percentage points of GDP higher. And if we add to the equation that debt levels are exposed to currency risk, given that we have countries like Uzbekistan or Belarus, where foreign currency debt represents more than 90% of debt, we see that currency volatility can have an impact also on debt dynamics, which have been improving in, in recent years. What we also highlight is that we have financial sectors that have still not fully recovered from the volatility 
that has uh, that ensued from 2014-15, but also from other legacy problems. And also the financial sector has, for the most part in the region, had exposure to currency risk. So still financial sector exposure to current risk, but also in some countries where you have a large state sector present, you have a exposure to that as well, creating the risk for contingent liabilities. We also see that in the event that growth fails to perform, or we see downward growth outlook revisions for the region, then we will like to look forward and see what are the risks for these policy improvements we have highlighted. As we note, a policy framework uh, strengthening has delivered stability, has delivered resilience, but uh, we will see if in the future they can escape political risk in terms of countries in the event that growth does not materialize, trying to easy policy and try to pursue not only stability but also growth. Finally, uh, now we mentioned politics, and we also highlighted the reform positive stories that we see in some countries. It is important also to highlight that this reform momentum has political risk in terms of vested interest that, uh, that may try to undermine the government's efforts to move ahead with comprehensive reform agendas, but also reform fatigue, which could also set in in some countries after a few years if, again, growth does not come back. Thank you, Eric, for sharing your insights and thank you to everyone for listening. You can access the report and all of Fitch's sovereign research on our website. We hope you can join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests.